The following episode of TOEFOP is classified M.A. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, sexual references, a sex scene, prison rape, time travel, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. <laughs> Everyone relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anson. We're back, baby. We are back, yeah. It's been a while. It's been ages for us. Like, it's been not quite as long for the listening audience because we banked a few episodes before yeah. I went away. But, like, we have not sat down to do this for nearly three months now. Has it been that long? Yeah. Holy shit. So I guess the last time was during Comedy Festival. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of ground to cover. There's a lot of shit that we have to get to, and I know there's stuff that people want us to get to as well. Yeah. I know that it was a disaster for our audience that we were not on air when the Avengers movie came <laughs> out, seeing that we've done nothing but pretty much talk about the Avengers movie mm. you know, since you know it was basically imagined. But uh, I, I've now started using the Avengers movie as a description in other parts of my life. I had to do this interview the other day, and it was like, um, what's your favourite book? Which I always find that, like, so I have to pick one book that defines everything I've ever read, you know. But uh, after I'd gone past um, John O, the Brad Johnson story, uh, and The Power of Passion, the Justin Langer book, I realised that my, my... How many sports uh, autobiographies are titled the nickname of the player? Well... The Rat. The Rat. It's uh, quite, a lot, quite a lot of time it's, it's the nickname, isn't it? Pants. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's my favourite one, Pants, yeah. the Darren Mullane story. As written by Eddie Maguire. I think Eddie mm. Maguire was one of the authors of Pants. Yeah. The Darren Mullane story. I read the Ben Cousins um, autobiography on a, when I was on holiday. And like I was reading going, because normally they say, you know, written with Ken Peace or something like that. Yeah. But they have Normally hit- that's what they all say, written with Ken Peace. Yeah. <laughs> like Ken just comes in, even if he had nothing to do with the book, just comes <laughs> in at the end and goes, just add in a couple of paragraphs here with Ken Peace. He's got a really good contract with his publisher. He gets yeah. credit for stuff he didn't even write. But they... Um, they hid that uh, co-author's name like they buried it deep, deep, deep in the credits, like you know, in the second page. Like, because I was reading, it going, "There's no acknowledgement of another author here. It's not like you know, uh, Ben Cousins with so and so." And I was like, "Surely, I mean, look, I don't know what Ben Cousins' like writing skills are, right? But I, I didn't believe that he had written this book." Well, I mean, you know, look, maybe Ben. I mean, look, the thing we know about Ben Cousins is that he's awake a lot. He has a lot of spare time where he's probably sitting up and he can't get to sleep. Maybe he transcribed it. Or maybe he just like, you know, had well, a big, big nod on it and transcribed the whole story. Well, you, know, you, know, you know how the thing that sort of triggered me to think that this is not Ben's words is that like, because it's obviously written, he's obviously given interviews or, you know, there's tapes or something like that and that's what the author's written the book from. But uh, he would sort of talk about playing like the St Kilda Saints or the North Melbourne Kangaroos. <laughs> And that's obviously for the benefit of like a reading reading audience, but that's it's completely out of character with everything else he said in that. Like everything in that sentence is like you know curry, chicky, you know we play, you know everything was like nicknames, and then it's like the North Melbourne kangaroos. There's this um there was this old school Australian sort of uh, football slash 
entertainment group called the Could Have Been Champions. Yeah, I was a Could Have Been fan when I was 12. Right. Well, okay. Well, you, you'll like this then. You know, remember Plugger. This? Oh, pl- oh no, hang on. <laughs> so what's the Plugger song? Was, um, We're down in Oma Rabin. There's a great spearhead. He's the one who's always won the black, white, and red. Some, they say he looks a little overfed, but he can bag a sausage roll like he's standing on his head. The ump uh, used to have a reputation for having a go, but the umpies must have liked him because he won a brown low. Go, go. <laughs> Go, plug it. Go, go, go. Oh, gold. Yeah, uh, yeah no, well, yeah, Greg Champion, uh, of course, was the, the guy. He he wrote a very famous Australian song called I Made 100 in the Backyard at Mum's. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he, he also co-wrote That's the Thing About Footy, yep. uh, which uh, he was a big sports uh, uh, song guy in Australia. But um, Parody song, sort of. That was what they could have been champions did. Yeah, and, they, and there was a team of them. There, uh, there was Greg Champion. Yep. There was Ian Cover. Yep. Uh, there was... Sean Leonard? There was Tony Leonard. Tony Leonard. Tony Leonard, who still calls the football these yep. days. He's become a football caller. Um, there was uh, Graham Richardson. Oh, Graham, not the politician. Not, po- not the politician, <laughs> Graham Richardson. Not, that might not be the right term. Okay. I'm sorry if I've, I've forgotten that guy. Yeah. And then there was a guy called Simon Whelan. Mm. Now, Simon Whelan left reasonably, like not early on. He, he was like part of the team for ages. But eventually, he was the first one to sort of go, I've got to go off and do my own thing. And he didn't go off to do his own thing as a football caller. He didn't go off to do his own thing as like a, you know, a football songwriter, anything like that. Simon Whelan uh, was a lawyer and he was on like quite a fast track to becoming like a judge and a magistrate and like really high up in the legal system. Yeah. The most massive uh, court case in Australia that's happened in the last week was a guy called Tony Mockbell, who was this uh, really famous sort of drug dealer. drug dealer from Melbourne and like... And then part of the accountant crew. Yeah, exactly. If you've seen Underbelly, it was like, yeah, Tony Mockbell was. Yeah, Robert Mamone. Yeah, <laughs> it was essentially Robert Mamone is Tony Mockbell. Yeah. And, but Tony Mockbell also became famous because he got arrested and then fled the country. And um, it was famous wearing this really bad wig, and yeah. they caught him in like some foreign country wearing this terrible wig. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're if you're a fugitive, yeah. you know, and the chances are you're gonna get caught. Like, don't be wearing a ridiculous wig because you know that's what they're gonna plaster all over the papers. I mean, he essentially looked like he was auditioning for a role in Anchorman too. Yeah, like it was just such a bad wig, and he was like the the worst undercover on the run guy ever. Now you know what it was. It's like when you used to go to the Royal Melbourne show and you get the Beatles show bag, and there'd be like a really shitty cheap yeah. Beatles wig. <laughs> it was like a mop top. That's what they should do at the Melbourne show next year, the underbelly. <laughs> you get a couple of like pills, yeah. you know, you get your own printing press, you get a Tony Mockbell wig, <laughs> you get an airtight alibi. Um, nice. So they, uh, Simon Whelan was the judge at the... Oh, right. Yeah. So it's really funny if you were an old school could have been champions fan. Yeah. I used to have, uh, I'm probably still got it's it. Like, it's like finding out that one of the jerky boys is on the high court. <laughs> They weren't quite like that because they used to have this thing. They had this fake call-in segment yep. where they would uh, call Tony and, and they would always be like supporters from different teams. Timmy they, from Thomastown. Timmy, uh, Massive Murph, Morabin. Yeah. Um, there was uh, the Guru who was like an Indian guy oh, that's who right. always had like a philosophy about football. Like, yep. They were running in twos and threes. Yep. <laughs> what else? Who was there? There was, uh, there was uh, the guy from Geelong who's really snooty. He was from Geelong. More discipline, Tony. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what was his name? I can't remember. Oh, fuck. It was great. I mean, I remember I used to buy their albums. Like, I was a big Could Have Beans fan. I had their big bumper book of footy. All right. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i go a step further. I went and saw the Could Have Beans live. Oh, wow. I went and saw the, that, them do their, not their football show, yeah. but their Sunday night. They used to do the Sunday night show on the ABC, which Adam Spencer, who I used to work with on the radio, hated that show so much. He hated it. He's like His impression of that show was always... Uh, We've got a letter. A letter? Yes, a letter. Uh, well, could you read the letter? 
I will read the letter. <laughs> you know, and that was like, that's what he thought the whole show was. But I went and saw one of those live ones when I was living in Canberra. When I was at uni, they came to Canberra and did like a, a live Sunday night show. Oh, so show. not when you were a kid. This no, is when you were like... I'm at uni. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at uni. All my friends are like, you know, going down to Sydney to see like Nirvana play. And I'm going yeah. to see the Could Have Been Champions do a live show at the AIS. <laughs> that's where it was, at I the think, AIS. I think Michael Chamberlain... Um, did like a junior cub reporter segment on the could have been champions. Is that right? He still got a taper when he was like 12. Yeah. He did a report because they would get like their cub reporters in and they would report on like, you know, the US open or whatever. And Michael did it on WrestleMania. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Digger. Remember Digger? Digger was one of the old guys. That was Digger, Digger the old yeah, one. Yeah. He was... yeah, and he's always in love. He's kept talking about, oh, Jock McHale. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Simon Whelan, the you high court judge. Craig Bradley. Can't yeah, touch him. I think he was Digger. I think oh, that's, really? Yeah. I literally think the guy who convicted Tony Mockbell this week was Digger from the Cunevane Champions. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. It's what I love about Melbourne is that you could actually base an entire like comedy radio show around football. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was the concept. Like, we're going to call in and support us from different teams, and there's going to be a bunch of in-jokes about those teams. That's yeah. brilliant. And everybody will understand it. Yeah. <laughs> because everybody in that town does understand football. I don't think people realise that. I don't know. I'm sure there are other places in the world that are like this, but because Australian rules was originally predominantly a Victorian game, like mm. the VFL was the the national competition of AFL until it you know, became, expanded into a national competition. It was the premier competition. There was a you know, South Australian competition. There was a West Australian competition. But why was it the... I mean, why was it the premier competition? Like, well, how... how Say, like, in sort of 1950s, yeah. how could you be sure that the standard of the VFL was better than WA and South Australia? Well, you couldn't really. No. No. But it was, it was just the most popular, most highly attended. It was the most the highly attended, but also, it, I think... It was also they had a bigger population, so and they would, chances are you had you know better players, and you'd probably take the best players from South Australia and WA. Well, that happens. That started to happen in the sort of fifties, sixties. The yeah. best players from those other competitions would come over to Victoria to play. Yeah, but for years, like I mean, there's still people who like this. It's amazing because we have like a Hall of Fame, you know, in the AFL now, and it's an AFL Hall of Fame, and occasionally they will induct someone who was just a star in the West Australian yeah. competition. Kicked like 4,000 goals in the Tasmanian League. It's like when they used to have the local Logies. Yeah, yeah. And Anne Wills from Adelaide's won like 20 <laughs> local Logies, and she was never on any national TV show, but she's sitting at home with 20 Logies. Yes, yeah. it's the Gardner Medal yeah. of TV. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I, that was quite interesting. Yeah, so I went and saw them live, which was, and by myself too, like, because... Who's going to go? It's not like out. you're taking a date to see the Could Have Been Champions. Uh, hello, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> like, particularly in a state that didn't even really follow the thing that they were good at doing. Uh, so, yeah, I, I went by myself and sat up the back at a, at a Could Have Been Champions at a live radio gig. Wow. So was it an OB? Yeah, it was an OB. Yeah. At, at what uni did you go to? The University of Canberra. University of Canberra. But it wasn't at the uni. It was at the AIS, at the Australian Institute of Sport. Because they're the good event champions. Yeah. 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 Right. When did they, are they, like they obviously, I mean Simon Whelan doesn't do it, but then when did they split up? When did they disband? They haven't. When, when was the day that the laughter died? They haven't. They're like one of those rock bands where right. like it's two original dead. members. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know. People are always calling out for the old standards. Do digger. Yeah. Where's Massive Murph from Eleven? Yeah. And no one can do that. They're kind of like the Wu-Tang Clan. Like, you know, some other guys have come in. Some other guys have gone out. You know, you never know who's going to turn up. Like, you know, so that, yeah. And so they've kind of kept continuing. I, at one stage, I turned on the ABC on a Saturday night and a couple of them were doing a caravanning show where, like, they would talk to people who were caravanning around Australia. Wow. Yeah. Someone got money to make that show. Wow. It was on the ABC on a Saturday night, so I'm guessing not much money. <laughs> they probably just went, we need somewhere warm to be on a Saturday night. 
we've got a radio show for you. You can talk to people in caravans going around Australia. <laughs> I wonder if they ever get together and the one who's like the, the Supreme Court justice looks at the guys who are doing the caravanning <laughs> show. On the Saturday night. When they do the could have been reunion every 10 years. But I, like, it is one of those things where, I mean, I, we've spoken on the show before about the fact that my accountant uh, was in an, an Australian rock band called the Hunters and Collectors that were, you know, a massive band. And one day when I was meant to be going to visit my accountant, he couldn't uh, be there because he was rehearsing for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like, that, that could happen. Yeah. Like, he'd have to take a week off court because the could have been re-inducted <laughs> into the AFL Comedy Hall of Fame. Do they then do that in that Hall of Fame? Do they? They don't do like um, people are so. Do you get if you're an administrator, can you get inducted? In the Hall uh, of Fame? Just players. I think I think media can. There's yeah, a like media Mike component. That's something. right. So I guess they could. Yeah. Okay. Gee, that'd be good one day. Hall of Fame. If Strawny's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Amazing. I, I think we've gone very well with broadening our international appeal as a podcaster. We've had three months off and we're talking about an obscure Australian rules radio show. <laughs> no, that's what people were crying out for. We've been off for three months. The Avengers movie came out. The Spider-Man <laughs> movie has come out. Dark Knight <laughs> Rises. Let's start with the good Avengers. Yeah. Champions. <laughs> that's what people want. The cutting edge of oh, entertainment. <laughs> when will they ever talk about the good events? <laughs> When we make the Coulda Beans movie, that's what we sh- that's what we could do. We could like as a serious biopic, like you know Oliver Stone's The Doors, or yes, okay, <laughs> yes. So there's this thing where they all take acid to kind of get enlightenment before they you know get their first show. We do the Coulda Been Champions gritty reboot. You know what would be great about that is there would have to be scenes where like Simon Whelan's uh, at the football and he sees an old Collingwood supporter yelling, you know, at the umpire with a stick and you just oh. see him go, hmm, and that's the inspiration yeah. for Digger. And all a little the, note. Yeah, and all the people in the audience go, oh, that's oh, Digger, that's yeah. Digger. <laughs> that's where he came up with it. Yeah, yeah he's hanging out with some tiny uh, Timmy from Thomas Town. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is a bit weird. Yeah, it's a bit weird. <laughs> it's <laughs> really dark all yeah. of a sudden. It's really dark, Oliver. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, we get Oliver Stone to direct it. Yeah. Yeah, great. I mean, he'd do it these days, I imagine. <laughs> I think so. We'd have to put a conspiracy in it. There'd have to be a twist. The could have been that have to be responsible for the, the disappearance of Harold Holt. It's kind of weird with uh, Oliver Stone. I mean, you know, I know he hasn't had like a box office hit or like any kind of criti- critical success for a while, but I think when you establish yourself as a firebrand, you kind of become immune to any kind of like, like it's not as bad for Oliver Stone's films to not be making money as it is for, like, Steven Spielberg. If all of a sudden Steven Spielberg couldn't make a hit film, that would be, like, a greater cause of concern. I think Oliver Stone, because he's always come out and he's, like, you know, anti-authority and all that kind of stuff. When his films don't make money, he can sort of spin that yeah. into... He's like, yeah. I don't get it, man. Yeah, fuck you, man. Yeah. I don't want my films to make money. That's the point. If they were making money, I'd be selling out. Alexander fuck was you, too real. Yeah. You just couldn't take it. He did Milk, though, didn't he? That was him. Was yeah, it? No, who was that? Gus Van Sant. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah, it's good. All film. right. Well, no, I'm going to have to take that off Oliver Stone, though. <laughs> I was giving him a tick. I was like, oh, he's made some good in the last few years. He made milk, but he didn't. So, sorry, Oliver. I get to see him listening to Tofop in his bed. He's eating cereal in bed in the middle of the day, and he's getting all excited because he gets mentioned, and you have to take it away from him. We could do a new character, a regular character, Oliver Stoned. And it'd be like, <laughs> we'll get Simon Whelan to call in. <laughs> so we'll bring him up and say, look. We'll keep it off the radar. I know you're like a high court judge or whatever you are now and you can't, you know, but I'm sure that you still kind of like would love to do some character work. We've got this great idea for you. Oliver Stone, you can just ring into the podcast. No, no, we don't know how to put a phone call through. 
but you can just ring on the phone and I'll pass it on. I'd love to do that. I've actually thought about that for the show, doing like some kind of Skype call-in, like letting people know when we're recording and doing a Skype call-in. But I have no idea how to run phone calls on my computer. Having said that, I've never tried. <laughs> I think that we should concentrate more on getting our own shit right first. You know what I mean? Like we, we did even today, like spend five minutes of you going, is there any way that the microphone stand has got weaker <laughs> since we last used it? Because now it won't hold up your microphone. But you could see with your own eyes what no. I'm talking about. Like it is odd that this microphone, because the way, if you can imagine it, it's like a uh, 45, it's a, like a, what, what shape is that? Like it's a 45 degree angle. It's like yep. a, you got a, a heavy weight at the bottom and then a pole that comes out that you put the microphone on. And up until today, when you put the microphone in, it's been perfectly weighted, like the, the, the counterbalance on the ground hasn't moved. For some reason, it is on the verge of tipping over all the time now. Uh, so I'm wondering if the microphone's put on weight in well, the break. In the break. Yeah. Well, you know what? Now that they've discovered, like, the Higgs, Higgs boson, the maybe, particle. like, yeah, masses just completely changed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's directly affected your microphone. One microphone are like, thank God we don't have to pretend anymore yeah. that we're sentient. <laughs> they let their guts out. <laughs> Uh, did you follow any of that? Do you understand any of what's going on with that? Those articles, like, because uh, I have, like, smart friends who, you know, post a link on Facebook and say, this is fantastic, and, and I try and read it, but I just, it's, I, I've not, no, I don't know what it is. It's a, basically they found the building blocks for matter. Is that right? It's like they found a, what is it? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm not right across it myself, but it's, it, I, I, I know that it has to do with The elements mass. of the Big Bang, right? Yeah. Well, so this I mean, is the thing that created, it creates matter. Yeah. Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, and it, it had some sort of, something to do with the explanation of dark matter. There's, there's at least one person listening to this right now going, stop talking. <laughs> like, you, <laughs> you clearly don't know. So don't pretend that if you just keep talking, suddenly you'll remember. You don't know what this information is. Don't That's even true. pretend that you do. Yeah. I, um, but it's always better when we try and guess. But I like that um, in – so this is the, the idea of it, though. So it's called the Higgs boson because it, a guy called Peter Higgs, I believe, uh, in Edinburgh in 1963 or something like that, came up with a – like he, he had this theory that this particle existed, right? Mm-hmm. So this is what science is a lot of the time, that people come up with these theories of like this would explain why you know, we have this. Why we have this. And then it might take them years or hundreds of years or thousands I think it was of 50, years. Over 50 years, they were saying in this article I read that they've been trying to work it out for 50 years. Yeah, okay. Well, that's, yeah, uh, yeah okay. So, and yeah, okay. So that's about right. Yes. 50 years, yeah. 1963. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, and they've finally found it. Yeah. Which is amazing. Don't you think that's amazing that someone can just think of something? But this. Go, this is definitely a thing like I've just like you're sitting at home you go I reckon I this a is a thing and then 50 years later using some of the most expensive scientific a equipment that has ever a 24 kilometer racetrack yeah. to smash particles yeah they've essentially just said like hey he's gone I reckon this thing existed could you please build something really massive and expensive and spend 50 years working out if I'm right <laughs> and, and, and he was right that's the best thing about it I think is like I find that um, he must be so fucking chuffed yeah do you know what I mean like because for ages There'd be a period of time where people are like, that's a great theory. Mm. And then they'd be like, we believe in this theory enough that we're willing to you know, build this really expensive hadron collider <laughs> to kind of you know, see if Smash it, things see if it happens. Um, and, and then there must be a period after time where, they haven't, where nothing's happened where you're like, uh, maybe I was wrong. So the hadron collider is like yeah. this machine where they just basically smash like atoms into each other to try and see if there's something smaller underneath. Is that kind of what it does? I'm not sure. But yeah, sure. So Why let's not? say that. 
Do you think the scientists, like, in between smashing items, just put other stuff in there to smash it? Like smoothies? <laughs> to see, like, like in the morning? Just, just to, like, to see like, what will happen? Or like nothing when, like two TVs, you oh, know, like you're always... Like when David TVs. Letterman used to throw yeah, stuff off the top of exactly. the building? He's like, like, let's do it with a bowling ball. Yeah, totally. Let's put a watermelon in there. Yeah, no, <laughs> maybe. Probably. Well, they can now. I mean, what are they going to use it for now? Now, isn't that well, all they this, were looking for? If this was a movie, yeah. they'd just basically open a portal uh, to another dimension no, and definitely. then we'll step like, you know, some overlord and it'll be up to the Avengers to kill him. Yeah, right. So uh, yeah, so a Stargate. Yeah. They've opened a Stargate. Yeah, that's what it, that's yeah, what it is. Right. <laughs> Stargate like, Hadron Collider. I mean, this is the thing I don't understand about like, well, I don't understand a lot about science, but uh, you know how they talk about like wormholes and... and, and uh, you know, they'll talk about, like, uh, for instance, space travel and, and time travel might be possible if you could pass through a wormhole, you know, and so you're basically covering a lot of distance of space, but like a shortcut. Is this a real thing or is this a theory? Like wormholes, are they actually, are there, are there, is there actually evidence of wormholes or is it like the Higgs boson thing where guys like, well, you know what? I think conceivably there could be like shortcuts, these little wormholes all through the universe. I think a lot of that stuff is theoretical. Although if you've ever, did you ever watch the TV show Fringe? No. Oh, my God. Like, that is a show where no one... <clears throat> Sorry. That is a show where no one has ever gone, hang on, does does any of this seem completely implausible to you guys? Does this... None of... Because it's, like, such a weird... Essentially, spoilers, but, like, you know, it's been out for years, so if you haven't got around Fringe. Uh, basically, the idea is that... Um, it turns out that there's like you know, there's a, a bunch of different worlds, but they've found out a way to access this other world, so people can kind of travel in between that world and this world. But the weird thing about it is that that world's almost the same, but then there'll be these little things that are different. Yeah, right. But all the same people work together. Yeah, yeah. Yet the Statue of Liberty's a different yeah, color. Yeah, like, I never get that in alternate dimensions. Like, so if, you're if, telling me that like if the world is run by monkeys, why are they still like you know why do cars look the same? Like how come the, we're all run by monkeys, yeah. but everything else is there? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Oh, and this one it's like the World uh, Trade Center is still there, right? That's like you know the big thing. Yet all the people in this cast still work together in the same building. Yeah. I'm like, you're telling me that something as big as the World Trade Center not being there has changed, and yet these steel people all went, nah, let's go to the same <laughs> job. It makes no sense. No. Nah. But, you know, I, I guess it doesn't have to, but it's one of those shows where they will... Theorise. They will explain everything with just a one-sentence... Like, say, that, like the smartest guy there always does something like, they go, but, what, but how could this person be travelling through time? And then he'll just say something like, well, you know, have you ever got a cantaloupe? <laughs> and then you've grabbed the cantaloupe and your fingers go into the cantaloupe? It's like that. And then they all just nod and go about their business. When you're like, it's not like that at all. It makes no sense. I've never uh, seen French. I actually had no idea that's what it was about. I just assumed it was like a procedural show about a cop investigating murders. Oh, it is a kind of a procedural show. They're, they're a fringe division, so they're investigating, you know, like an X-Files yeah, type right. thing. Sounds cool. Yeah. But there's um, basically, you know what? Because remember ages ago we were having this discussion about Joshua Jackson. Like an every, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We were talking about, Facebook. We were talking about, like, uh, you know, who, who women thought uh, were hot. And, you know... It, and we were talking about Michael Fassbender, and yeah. we were talking about you know all the hot guys who are going around at the moment. The girls are really Ryan Gosling, right? Ryan Gosling in particular, right? Yeah. And so I started doing you know a little thing, and then some people just were like, "Joshua Jackson, Joshua Jackson's really hot." Yeah. And I was like, "Pacey, <laughs> like Pacey is hot." And I was like, "I didn't know." And but people were really into Pacey. Yeah. And now that I've watched Fringe, I get because he plays kind of a cool sort of leading man, and. The I mean the idea of the show is basically that his dad was like the 
essentially the smartest bloke on earth. Right. You know, like he's a it's scientist so who was like, you know, p- pushing it as far as he could possibly push it. And he's the guy who discovered, you know, the other worlds and how he could travel between the other worlds. Yeah, right. But in this universe, his son died of a disease oh. that he couldn't cure. And he was able to look into the other universe and see how to come up with a cure. So he went over there to kind of save the son in the other universe. And, of course, he stole him and brought him back. So, uh, so he's from another world. Yeah, so yeah, he's right, from another world, right? right. right. So it, it's kind of like, I mean... The, but how does that affect his perception of the world he's living in now? Like, uh, is it completely... He doesn't know he's from another world. Well, I mean, he does now. Spoilers, if he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> broke my brain. Imagine. Would be great if I just turned on the next episode of Fringe and that's how he found out. <laughs> They're listening to an episode of Tofop. And then guy, some guys to come out and explain how that's even possible. <laughs> but it's in an alternative universe, yeah. so it's actually good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the microphones work. Like, it's still us, but the microphones work and it's really successful. They know all, they get all yeah. the facts correct. Yeah, that's right. They explain that whole Higgs boson thing <laughs> and they didn't spend 15 minutes at the top of the episode talking about the could have been. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I don't want to get too much more into it because like that's very much first season and a half sort of things. Mm. But you know, if, if people are going to watch it, I don't want to give away too much more of it. But the the cool thing about it is that the thing that I do love about his character. So there's Walter, and then there's the Walter in the other universe who they call Walternet. Ah, yeah, that, yeah, that's good. Yeah, wordplay. Yeah, um, they don't have clever names for any of the other ones. None <laughs> of them rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't tried one of your Clawson awesomes. Um, so uh, the idea is that um, uh, he was like classic experimenter with LSD and all that sort of thing to sort of push how far he could go with his brain. So he's all like... Hang on, this is Walter or... His, uh, this is Walter. And this yeah. is Pacey? Or Pacey's dad? Pacey's dad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just confuse it even more. Oh, here's something that's interesting about the show. This is kind of like a, a nice, interesting conundrum. So... That where I'm up to, because I'm actually up to date in Fringe, and um, I, uh, so Olivia, who is his, um, so, okay, I'll run you a little bit through it. Okay, this this detective, Olivia, joins the Fringe division, right? She's recruited into the Fringe division. As it will turn out, she's already had a connection to the Fringe division that she doesn't know about, but that's backstory, and I don't want to give it too much away. Mm. She joins up, and she has the team with this guy, Walter, to solve something. His son, Pacey. Yeah. has been, um, he rejected his dad. Mm-hmm. His dad went into a mental institution for all these years. You later find out that the reason he did that was because he was on a path to destroying the world. But anyway. Right, right, right. So he's been in this mental institution for all these years. You know, Pacey didn't know about that. Pacey's become this international con man who's like owes everyone money and been around the world in war zones and doing all these things. And he comes back because he's the only guy who can sign his dad out of the mental institution. So that's how they all get together in the first place, right? This right. fringe division. But anyway... Through a whole series of circumstances, the Olivia from the other world ends up swapping with the Olivia from our world, right? Yeah. Now, there was sexual tension right through between Pacey and this Olivia. Olivia which, which one? No, the, the yeah, original one, yeah. but they never got together. Right. And then they swapped, and now he's been banging alternate Olivia. Ah. And he doesn't know. Ah, oh, right. Yeah. Does uh, real Olivia know? No, because she's still in the other world. So he's just been potting. Yeah, he so thinks, he thinks it's a, he, he thinks, thinks it's, it's the a, same one. Yeah, he thinks it's original. Well, is this alternate dimension especially slutty? <laughs> it's like the slut dimension. 
No, she's she's doing it because she's been sent over to our world to because the the premise is kind of the only one of the two worlds can survive. Okay. So like we're at war. You know? Ah, that's all right. No, oh, now I get it. Yeah. So <laughs> they've sent her over as like a sec- secret agent to kind right. of infiltrate and like secret get agent in. slash prostitute. Yeah. And so she's just like yeah, and she's just coming over and like having sex with him, and he's like, how do you get how do you get that brief? It's like we uh, want you to what? Did she have to assassinate him? No, she's just a spy. She's so a spy. They say to her, we need you to get some intel uh, from alternate Walter, from Walternate. Uh, we're going to send you in. And she's like, okay, great. So I'm just taking down, making notes, whatever I see, whatever conversations I hear. And they're like, yes. Yep. And we want you to suck his dick. Yep. <laughs> she's like, uh, what does this have to do with the case? We think the secrets might be in his dick. <laughs> <laughs> we believe most of the secrets are hidden in the eye of his dick. And the only way you can get him out is to suck it every night until the secrets explode in your mouth. Hang on. Is this really a plan? That is the- and then, to conceal the secrets, you must swallow them and not spit them out. This is... Are you sure? That is like... Are you sure there's an alternate world? That is like... Imagine if you're pitching that to someone. Look, this might be hard to follow, but there's an alternate world that is almost exactly like ours, except they don't have the Twin Towers anymore. We're going to send you over there to have sex with a guy who's from this world who doesn't exist in this world anymore because he died in the other world, but he's over there and he doesn't really know he's meant to be there. And we want you to pretend to be the girl that he likes, but they haven't got together yet, but you look exactly the same as her. So you're like her. So go out over there and suck the secrets out of his cock. <laughs> Are you in? Where do I sign? Where do I sign? <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> uh, well, let's, uh, let's, let's not fucking dilly-dally. Avengers. So have you seen it? Yes. I assume you've seen it. No, yeah. right? So I really, I actually, because I was the naysayer, I'm not sure if people remember, but I couldn't see how it was going to come together. And I love Joss Whedon, but I just didn't like the trailers. I thought it looked like a sitcom when I was watching the trailers. And funnily enough, the thing that I was most worried about was the thing that actually made me really love it, because it's actually really funny. Like it was it's really surprisingly funny. funny. It's really funny. I actually, I think. I actually, I think the comedy's great. And effortless mm. like it doesn't try to be really funny like some of the funniest moments and look I, i'm gonna say spoilers but come on come on everyone in the, everyone film. in the world has seen the avengers yeah. and if you haven't you've got no interest in the avengers exactly so um i, I yeah for example the scene where just hulk smashes thor mm. like just because it makes sense like the great thing is he honors all the characters and the way that they would behave in you know that situation and so like i think the comedy comes out of realistic sort of, you know, I've got, I've got to say the first half hour, I was like, uh, I'm not liking this. Like, I just... I, I mean, there was so much fucking ground to cover that he had to set up the plot really quickly, yep. had to introduce five characters. But once they were all introduced, it was great. And it was kind of funny because I normally... I was never a Marvel guy, never really liked... It's just a bit too sci-fi for me and bright and colourful and quippy. And then... I watched it, loved it, came home and watched the Dark Knight Rises trailer and I was like, oh my God, this is so morose and yeah. this is horrible. Like, it's like fucking, uh, who's that uh, Who's that director who made the uh, Dancer in the Dark? You know, what's his name? Lars von Trier oh, right. <laughs> had made a Batman film. Uh, I'd love to see Lars von Trier do a Hulk trilogy. Oh my yeah, God. Three colors green. <laughs> Hulk's a heroin addict. <laughs> heroin addict who amputates his own leg. But you know what I realized about watching the um, Avengers, like about the Hulk is... Because everyone loves Hulk, yeah, right? Hulk is an amazing character, but people don't really like Hulk. See, this is the thing. I would argue that people don't love the Hulk. They love what the Hulk does. He's not an interesting character. Like, it's maybe Bruce Banner is interesting. But this is what I get. It's yeah. like it's the potential for Hulk to come out 
that's interesting. Yes. And that's, I think that's one of the most clever things he's done with that whole movie is like, you don't see Hulk. It's, this, yeah. it's, it's like, it's like tantric sex. Yeah. It's like, it's, like it's build up and build up and yeah. build up. And then when you get to that bit where it's like, Here Hulk. he is. And, and the way that he turned one of the corniest fucking lines of all time, Hulk smash into this fucking, like it's, I, I literally tried to rewind the movie. I, I was can't watching. remember. Well, you remember, okay, so remember when Captain America who says Hulk smash, and it's that point where like because Captain America probably has the hardest time as a character because you're like, where does he fit into yeah, this? Yeah. Like, how is he? You know, you've got the Hulk and you've got Iron Man and you've got all these characters who can do these. He's the Walt. He's the Waltonet. He's the man from another world. Yeah, like why? But why do you even have him as part of this? He's not necessary. You've got a god and you've got a monster yeah. and you've got a billionaire in a you know rocket suit. You don't need. Billionaire, playboy, genius, philanthropist. Yeah, you don't need an old school guy, right? But what they needed from Captain America was... They didn't really need the fucking spy either. Or the guy with the bows and arrows. <laughs> Look, bows and arrows are big. They're big again. you got Katniss from Hunger Games. Archery is going to be the coolest emo young person sport at the Olympics this year. Um, I, I think they did a really good job of explaining that the role Captain America needed was to bring them all together and when they had to fight to be the guy who yeah. coordinated it all because they needed someone who would actually tell all these people who go off and do their own things yeah, yeah. what they were meant to do. That is the role for Captain America, yeah, right? right? He's the leader. Yeah. And he's got that thing, that great scene where he just, like, he's telling, you've got to go and do this and you've got to do this and you've got to do this. And then he just goes, and Hulk, smash. <laughs> and I literally, <laughs> I in the cinema, one, yeah, yeah. like, wanted to, like, stand, stand up and just clap and go, that is the <laughs> fucking was, coolest that, shit I have ever seen But in that's my life. how I was describing to people. Like, there are so many moments where you just want to cheer and yeah. it's like, oh, I haven't felt like this in a movie since, like, the 80s. Yeah, you know totally. what I mean? It was like seeing Ghostbusters or Back to the Future or one of those kind it's of films. It's full of cool which... lines. It's full of, like, you're just like, that is exactly what I wanted them to do. Yeah. And, yeah. like, and then literally full of, like, cool action and stuff like that as well. But this is the thing I was going to say about Hulk is... They should stop making Hulk movies, right? Yeah. Because no one wants to see the Hulk do solo shows. Hulk is a star of an ensemble. Yeah, yeah. Like, so when you get all those guys together, because yeah. Hulk steals that movie, I yeah, reckon. Yeah. Like, and, but he only works as part of an ensemble. Yeah. He's a big occasion player in an ensemble. He's yeah. Tom Hawkins in the AFL. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it kind of looks he's, like him. He's rubbish the rest of the year. Everyone's like, ah. Oh. Oh, Hawk's awful. He's not going to fit into this forward line. And then come grand final day. Hawk and smash. Hawk and smash. <laughs> you know what he is? He is the, if, if the Avengers are a band, then he is the most popular song. Just save yep. it for the encore. Yeah. Everyone knows it's coming. Yeah. You know, you can tease it out, but then fucking give it Play a couple encore. of licks of it early on. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, oh no. Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It was awesome. Yeah, I, I loved it. I yeah. thought it was... And I, you know what it actually made me do was like Scarlett Johansson's acting. Uh, I mean, that's the other thing that Joss Whedon does so well. Like, there's two scenes in that where he takes her, again, like, explains why you'd need someone like that. You need a spy. Yeah. You need someone who can get information out of yeah. people, right? Without sucking their dicks. Without sucking their dicks. <laughs> that was his first draft. <laughs> uh, look, you are a you spy from an alternative universe. <laughs> Loki has all the secrets in his cock. <laughs> I would love it. She comes back from her mission and Nick Fury is like, have you got anything to report? And she just spits on the yeah. table. There you go. <laughs> There's all the information. <laughs> she fucked up the first couple of missions because she kept swallowing all the information. I think the thing that I love about it is that um, uh, <laughs> she, 
that, that you've got that first scene where like you know, the interrogation you know scene and that's a classic Joss Whedon you know powerful woman yeah, yeah. sucking at a guy and then like you know going off fucking Buffy on his ass which mm. is fantastic <laughs> Buffy on his ass. but then I love um, the, the, the later scene where she's getting the information that is, out. That is the best scene in the entire yeah. film that's that amazing. Makes, like, she just, yeah. bang. And you're like, yeah, right. Yeah, that was the, that That's was, why she's there, you know? Yeah, but that was the scene for me that was like, fucking hell, man. Like, we've just had this most amazing, like, bit of comic book, you know, just a, an amazing comic book movie. Then they bring out this really, it's quite intense. Yeah. Like, what Loki's saying, it's quite scary, and he gets really fucking riled up, and then it switches again, and you're like, oh, my God, you're a great writer, just weird. Yeah. Like, he really played it masterfully. I, I just love, too, like, the story of this. Like, I love that Joss Whedon, you know, the guy, the Buffy guy. Yeah, the guy who was never going to... Like, he was sort of... He'd been sort of shelved as a guy. It's like, well, you know, he's got his audience. He's got his own thing. He's never going to... He's a guy, if you look at his track record, people have loved what he's... Like, some of what he's done, or, like, you know, some people have loved all of what he's done. Mm. But apart from Buffy, and even Buffy had to change networks and fans had to write in to keep that on air and yeah, right. that sort of stuff. Then you look at you know, the other shows he had, nearly every single one of them has been cancelled or has like been a bit of a cult favourite but never really taken off. And now he's Joss Whedon, writer and director of possibly yeah, going to be the most seen movie of all time. Yeah. It's unreal. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's, not gonna... it's probably even a bigger story than Timmy from Thomastown becoming a Supreme <laughs> Court judge. <laughs> I would, I would imagine, though, and I don't know, that Marvel would have him... I mean, Marvel have been very shrewd in all the deals they've done. Like, you've heard that most of that cast are getting... No, I mean, they're getting millions of dollars. Yeah. But, but I think Robert the... Downey Jr. is the only one who's getting a big payday. The rest yeah. of them are like two to five million. I would say that Joss is probably on a similar low deal. doesn't matter, though. But there'd be bonuses, I reckon. Yeah. And it doesn't matter now. Like, it just doesn't matter. He can just do whatever year. he wants forever now. He's the, like, I mean, he just made this movie that everybody loved. I guess. I'm just trying to think, like, have, has there been anyone who's made a movie, like, you know, like a, something's made over 500 million and not been able to write their own check? Maybe M. Night. Sixth Sense made about 600 million, I think. It was a huge hit. Yeah, but he, they gave him a lot of goes after yeah, that. Yeah, right. They went, we really like that movie. Have you got anything else? He goes, um, I've got some earlier drafts of that movie where I can change the names and the twists at the end. Are you into that? Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I thought it was unreal. So, And we're only like two weeks away or two and a half weeks away from um, Dark Knight now. Rises, yeah. Do you think you will enjoy it as much? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's got some competition. Like, I mean, I've got to admit, I went and saw uh, Snow White and the Huntsman last week and they played the... The Dark Knight. Tell trailer. me, what was Snow White and the Huntsman? What was that like? Not very good. Really? No. I mean, people weren't, Chris, looking, people weren't looking for a gritty reboot of Snow White. It's not really, no, it's not a gritty reboot. Like, I mean, it's kind of funny. We saw it with a mate of ours, you know, Disco, and he uh, he's a bit younger than us, and he loved it, you know. But he's a very fashionista, hipster kind of guy. He just loved the look and the style, and he he said that they don't haven't made a film like this since the eighties, like Labyrinth or um, Oh yeah, right, Legend, yeah. like. Big budget kind of fantasy, really like detailed kind of fantasy world. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I guess. But it just, um, the problem the problem was that uh, Charlize Theron, and everyone said, oh, you know, she's so much more beautiful. It's not that. She's just so charismatic and such an amazing actor that whenever she's not on screen, you're like, ugh, you're just waiting to get back to her. Oh, so were people actually saying that the flaw in the movie was that because the whole idea is that who's you know, the fairest? Who's of the them fairest? All? Of all? Like, well, you are. <laughs> Look in the fucking mirror. You don't need the mirror to talk to you or yeah. tell you anything. You are actually just heaps hotter. Yeah. 
Like, unless you're saying you in Monster, <laughs> you, are, you are heaps hotter than that pouty, miserable girl. That is a massive flaw. That would actually bother me now that you've said that. I'm not yeah. sure I could watch that movie. Because a I'll lot be like, of people have said that, but I, I mean, look, you know. You're not evil, Queen. You just have low self esteem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's read too many women's magazines. <laughs> She's right. been caught up in the hype. She doesn't think she has a bikini body ready for summer. She doesn't know seven ways to please her man. <laughs> Um, but Chris Hemsworth, awesome. Like he's really good. Like what a fucking year that guy is having. Yeah, I know, right? Like I, I, I sort of joked on Twitter that I think we should, um, we should assign like a, a value to popcorn entertainment and it's a, as a Hemsworth. So right. you could say that's six Hemsworths of entertainment. Yeah. So I'd say like the Avengers is like nine Hemsworths. Nine Hemsworths. Yeah, but I'd say Snow White's about three Hemsworths. Right. Yeah. Oh, uh, what about Liam Hemsworth? Well, I haven't seen anything of Hunger Liam's Games. Time, he's got. I'll, so I'll, I'll give him seven Hemsworths. <laughs> And, and there's another Hemsworth now. They've, but if you, they've if you found were, another one. Yeah, I know. Luke, I've actually done an ad with Luke. Yeah. I did a Red People Rooster People might not know this, Luke. but because it was Chris Hemsworth, who's kind of the biggest star, Thor, yeah. Liam Hemsworth from The Hunger Games, who's brother. engaged to Miley Cyrus. Yeah. And now there's... Luke. Yeah. Who's, uh, he's the oldest in the family. Right. He's a really nice guy. I didn't, yeah. I didn't add with him, and I remember thinking... Is he going to be the Stephen Baldwin of the Hemsworth brothers? Or? I don't know. I think he might be... Like, he could act from what I remember, but I think he will maybe be the Andrew Wilson of the Wilson clan. There's that Andrew Wilson? Yeah, he's in a lot of films. Really? But you just don't, he's not as big a star as Luke or Owen. Right. You don't know Andrew Wilson? No. Where did you know him from? Because, like, you know Have what? you seen Idioc- Idiocracy? Yeah, I have. You know the guy at the end who kind of has got, like, a big bushy beard? He's, like, the king, the best gladiator. Has to okay, kill. sure. Yeah. Why not? Maybe. Wilson. What the fuck? Um, uh, he's I- in the second Charlie's Angels. He plays a cop. <laughs> He's in uh, Bottle Rocket, I think. What's his big role, Andrew Wilson? He's, he kind of looks like Aaron Eckhart. Yeah, right. I saw um, uh, Doug Pitt has done Who? an ad. Brad Pitt has a brother. Yeah, Doug. Doug Pitt. That's literally That's his bullshit. name. I'm not, I'm not even making that up. Wow. I know, it sounds like a caveman's diary entry. Day one, Doug Pitt. <laughs> Doug Day two, <laughs> filled in Pitt. Day three. It's like an early draft of the castle. Oh, man. Dad, I dug a pit. <laughs> I'd love to in- introduce Ditch Davy to Doug Pitt. Doug Pitt. <laughs> It, it, that's what I love. He's and he's Brad's younger brother, and he's actually reasonably good looking, but yeah, not as good looking yeah, as Brad. Yeah. So not only was Brad the older brother who was good looking, but Brad got a name like Brad Pitt, and his brother got Doug Pitt. Doug Pitt. <laughs> what, what was the third one called? Armpit. Like it's we hate our kids progressively <laughs> as they get uglier over the years. Patrick Swayze has a brother who's an actor. Because when one of the great things about working in a video store, this is you know back in the nineties. There's a place called Video Store Kids <laughs> before your uh, Apple TVs and your uh, iTunes. Are we downloads. in some alternate universe again? <laughs> Imagine that if that was the thing that they had in the alternate universe in Fringe, they still had Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> people are using people are using Beta everywhere. The great thing about working in a video store is I would see a lot of like director video releases, like yeah. so things that bypass cinema that are often like really crappy B movies. Right. And more that was the it, great thing, was it? Yeah, it was awesome because more often than that, it would be starring like the brother of, like it would say like Travolta and you'd pick it up and it's like Joey, Travolta, you know? Or Swayze and it's like Don, Swayze. <laughs> They'd always print the first name really small and the surname really big. They should do one of those, what's that new, um, like, you know, what's the what, the the one that Sylvester Stallone and all those old Chuck Norris and all those old uh, actors Expendables. Are in? The Expendables. And yeah. they're doing Expendables too. Yeah. Well, oh, they're doing that with... 
Liam, Liam Hemsworth. Hemsworth. Yeah. He's in that. That looks like a bit of about, probably about five Hemsworth of entertainment, I think. They should literally do one of those, but with all the brothers of those people <laughs> and your mate Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs> they could. All right, let's see if we can. Well, okay, so you can Frank, Stallone. Frank, Frank Stallone. Frank Stallone is definitely. <laughs> there him. must be a Don Claude Van Damme. <laughs> Frank Stallone. Don Claude Van Damme. Uh, who else is Jet Li would have his brother be Hong Hong Lee <laughs> right sure um, Stone Cold no Stone Cold wouldn't be in the sequel Schwarzenegger's in it Schwarzenegger oh yes so you'd have to have yeah. um, Heinrich yeah. Heinrich Schwarzenegger <laughs> and his brother Bruce Willis uh, Gavin Gavin Willis <laughs> Gav Gav Willis Gav Willis Gav. Uh, you got Terry Crews that's a, that would be quite a good. Uh, that would be a good movie. I'd like. I'd ma- remake that movie, but with the brothers of everybody. They should call it the other Expendables. <laughs> the really the Expendables. Actual, the the actually Expendables. The really Expendables. These ones are Expendable. <laughs> Literally Expendable. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> or we could do because Doug Pitt, like you know, we yeah. could do an Ocean's Eleven with yeah. all the brothers and sisters. Benjamin Button. Yeah. <laughs> we do Benj- remake Benjamin Button, but it's about a, a, a young guy who gets old. <laughs> Starring Doug Pitt. <laughs> I was born we'll as Guy- a baby and died as an old man. Then we'll get Guy Pierce's brother and we'll make Memento in order <laughs> so people understand it. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but have you seen Being Benjamin? Was it Benjamin? No, I Am Benjamin Button. What was it called? <laughs> Benjamin Button. Uh, the Curious Tale the, of... Benjamin Button. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you've seen it, right? Yes, I have. If So he's born as a fully grown old man right? yeah and then he shrinks as a baby mm-hmm. no he no he's he's born as a he's born as a, a, a old man baby right yeah and then he gets younger yeah so what happens when he dies can you remember well, my question is he shouldn't have come out as an old baby he should have come out as it'd a be f- great if it was a, if the end of the say the end of the movie was an abortion <laughs> Like, oh, oh my god, this is this is the really of Benjamin oh Button. God, this is, I mean, I, I know you said it was a curious case, but I didn't realize. But he should have been born as a fully grown old man, right? Yeah, he's aging in reverse. They cheated. He was born baby size, but well, that's I think just because they didn't want that opening scene of his mother being split in half <laughs> by an old man coming out of her vagina. Like, I'm not sure. It's very hard to watch a whimsical tale. Yeah. I love Brad Pitt and he's very charming. However, that was traumatizing. A woman be split in half by delivering a pensioner from her vagina. <laughs> Oliver Stone, I've got a film for you. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, how do we get onto that? Uh, oh, Brothers of Famous People. Oh, yeah, people. Brothers of Famous People. Um, yeah, that the poster, yeah, that poster for The Expendables. Uh, have you seen it's almost like. Uh, um, they have forgotten that, that Liam Hemsworth's in it because it's like classic sort of, you know, all the stars standing up front. And then there's this really photoshopped photo of Liam Hemsworth like right in the background underneath an explosion. And it, it looks like like the guy who'd done the, the poster for the movie is like, oh my God, that fucking kid from uh, Hunger Games is in this, quick. And, just, and it's, it's not even like, it looks like it was taken from like a family portrait and just had to photoshop it. It's, like, it's like when you went there for school photos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hate that when friends... Have you ever had that where you've missed a reunion or some family event or whatever and they take a group photo and they'll send it to you and they've photoshopped you in? It's so creepy. I was like, I wasn't there. <laughs> and my hair's changed. <laughs> and I'm not a woman. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even me. Just scanned a photo of Kristen Stewart. So you went to see Snow White and the Huntsman and you saw the trailer for... Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Yeah, okay. 
the and latest trailer. Yeah, the latest the, the, trailer. Yeah. The one with um, yeah, it looks like it's got everything. All yeah. the all the every all the things that we need to know. Yeah. But I got very excited. Like I got really, really kind of upset, excited, <laughs> upset that it wasn't like June, uh, July nineteenth. Amy said to me, she she was like, uh, "How excited are you?" I said, oh, "I'm just I couldn't I couldn't be more excited about anything." Like I I think it's fan- it's going to be fantastic. But I uh, I the only thing that I've done is I have to work that morning, the morning <clears> it comes out. Yeah. And I like I'm if anyone like if there is a like a twist, you know, say if if Batman dies, all right, like you know, I don't I want to see that. I don't want to fucking have heard about that before I go and see that movie. It that is afternoon. possible to insulate yourself from it. But, but I literally would, <clears> would <throat> I would literally hold it against someone for the rest of my life if they sport that for me and I didn't get to the cinema in time. So I'm talking to Amy about it and I said, like, I'm planning my day and I want this to happen, right? Yeah. And she goes, what if it's not good? And I just looked at her and I, I realised I'd never You been... looked at her and you said, it's not what a movie does that <laughs> defines it, but what it is underneath. Well, what is it? I just I, looked at her and I was, I I said in a way that I've never been sure about anything else in my life. I said, it's going to be good. <laughs> like I just am fully confident it's going to be good. And I also, here's the other thing. Like I know that Christopher Nolan has a rule where he will never put anything from the last third of the movie in a trailer. Like he hates, you know, people giving away, giving away things in the trailer. And if you think about it, all we've seen is there's a lot of setup in the trailer so far, but I think he's saving. Like, I think he's got the confidence now. Fucking hell, man. You get off Nolan's balls, would you? No, I won't. <laughs> I won't. I will not get off his balls. Oh, I would right. like to get on his balls. I would like to be closer <laughs> to his balls. If there is an alternate universe that I can get, travel into where I can be... On lie, his... ba- lie on your back and have him spread his balls across your face. He can do whatever he likes with my balls. <laughs> your balls, his balls. His balls. I don't care. My balls are his balls. <laughs> oh, my God. No, but I think what he's doing uh, is... Like, you know when... Sometimes people are like, you've got to go and see this movie. So we've put all the best bits in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Because we have to convince you to come and see this movie. Yeah, yeah. I think what he's done with this film, if, if I like, if I want to have a guess. So here's a good comparison. Prometheus, right? Yeah. I watched all the trailers for Prometheus. I wasn't that excited about going to see Prometheus, but I was interested. Mm. Like, I love Damon Lindelof, who wrote the script. And, like, you know, I, I like those sort of movies enough that I thought, you know that I would enjoy it, right? So I watched all the trailers, I watched the little, you know, the little behind-the-scenes doco film they made, and I, and I was starting to get quite excited about it. I can guarantee you if you watch all those trailers, you could guess 85% of what will happen in that movie. Yeah. Like, it's all pretty much obvious. Yeah. Like, there's not much many surprises up your sleeve after that, apart from why the robot guy didn't spend the two years when everyone else was asleep it. on the ship. Um, instead of learning basketball and putting on a British accent, maybe you should have just worked out all the fucking plots, holes in the script. <laughs> like, that would have been better time spent. We're going to go into hypersleep. Yeah. I'd like to spend the next two years just working out the plot holes in this scenario. Yeah, because there's so many. Like, I mean, I'm not going to bang on about it now, but the, the major plot hole of Prometheus and the thing that just shipped me for days afterwards is that essentially, and this is not giving anything away, there's a crew that are sent into space to, like, you know, find essentially the origin of the species. They think they've discovered, you know, sort of where, where human life came from, right? Yeah. What's all in the title? Yeah. Prometheus about the creation of life. Exactly. Yeah. So they've all been sent out there and they're all there for different reasons, right? You know, that's, and there you go. That's your, that's your setup. So whatever. Is the name of the ship Prometheus? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay, right. So, so um, but when they wake up, none of them have been briefed. None of them know each other and none of them have been briefed. And you're meant to believe that they've spent millions and millions of dollars, you know, 
buying this ship, putting together this crew, sending them to the farthest reach of space to discover the origin of our species, and they didn't take 20 minutes to brief people or introduce them or I'll, shake hands. Or just leave like a, a handout. Yeah, or just see if the geologist might be the sort of guy who couldn't find his way back to the ship room cave. <laughs> Do you mean? Like, it's just... It's the most ridiculous... Uh, oh, and there's this horrible scene where they're going at the scientists, they're going out to, like, you know, discover, you know, what's there. And, like, there's one guy's brought a gun. And, and she's like, no guns. I'm like, what the, f- what the fuck are you talking you're about? Alien like, so you're on an alien planet, possibly going to see the origin of the species. Based on the fact that you saw some graffiti in a fucking cave and you're like, oh, that means that they want us to go there. No, no, they don't, it turns out. <laughs> turns out that's a horrible mistake. Like, I saw a dick and balls in a fucking cave. Let me guess, the writing on the wall is a warning? Not a welcome? Well, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, I guess it's more a lure than a, ah, right. like, you know. What was it? Free beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for blowjobs, call. Yeah. <laughs> well, imagine that. It was just like a bathroom stall graffiti. It was like horny single guy looking yeah. for a dick to suck. Meet me here at Thursday, 9 p.m. It's the origin of our species. <laughs> We've Deviant spend, sex. We've got to spend hundreds of millions of dollars traveling through space. On the Prometheus. I so, found a public toilet. And I think it might hold the key to the origin of the species. There is. Apparently the trucker who likes blowjobs is going to put a glory hole in this wall. Yeah. Forget wormholes. Glory holes. <laughs> We've traveled through a glory hole in space. <laughs> Are you sure it's not a wormhole? No, no. no that's it's a, a glory, glory hole. hole. <laughs> so, okay, well... The scientists discover the graffiti at the start and they're like, oh, we know this is like an invitation to, you know, to discover the origin of our species. Let's fly out there, right? Then they all fall asleep. None of them get to meet each other. They wake up, they all meet each other, right? Um, So then the scientists go out there. It turns out it's not exactly what they thought. And when it's not exactly what they thought, one of them just sulks and gives up because that's what scientists do, Charlie. (laughs) Imagine if Higgs Bo- Boson in 1963 had gone, I reckon it's this, and someone else has said, it isn't. He goes, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it, it is literally the most ridiculous. He's just like, like well, you've travelled two years in sleep through space on a... Sp- you know what? Take another five minutes and have a look around and see what else is here. There might be some other interesting shit on this planet you've never been to. No, I'm going to go back. And sulk. And sulk. And he's the guy who looks like poor man's Tom Hardy. So that shits me the whole... What's that actor's name? Don't know. He, Is he English? He, he could be in our the Actually Expendables movie oh. because they've clearly hired him because they're like, hey, can we get like Tom Hardy but like without any of the charisma and personality? Oh, yeah, we've got this guy. He'll be perfect. They've started uh, filming uh, Fury Road, the new Mad Max yeah. with Tom Hardy. Yeah, he'll be unreal. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's kind of funny, man. You know I'm a massive Mad Max fan, but... These photos I'm seeing... I know. It looks a little bit like a fashion shoot, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks. A bit, it just looks a bit like um, when you saw Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It's like, yeah. Like, this is like a really expensive fan film. Like, the thing about Mad Max is it always felt kind of dangerous. Like, yeah. the bikies in the first movie were scary. The fucking, like, mad homosexual gang, you know, in the second one, you know, would hang you from a fucking forklift. Like, they were scary... And then it feels it feels so, a little it feels a little Thunderdome. It feels yeah, a little Thunderdome, Thunderdome part two. Like there's it? parts of Thunderdome that's not bad, yeah. but it's all the little kitty shit. And Tina Turner is just so wrong. I mean, this is what I, I'm really worried about: is that he's not going to have an Australian accent. Yeah, you know, like apart from uh, Russell Crowe and Gladiator, there's never been a cooler hero, you know, with an Australian accent. Yeah. And I'm, I'm I'm I just it feels like it's it looks look I've never I haven't seen the film. 
but I just am scared. That it's yeah, gonna you be haven't a seen the film that hasn't been made yet. <laughs> yeah, so that's so. I'm just. But I'm worried it's going to be homogenized because it's. It's gotten, almost like it looks, it's gotten more and more Hollywood with yeah. each installment, and because it looks. Yeah, you, you're a bit worried it's going to be Happy Feet Two rather than you know Mad Max Four. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, not not. No, I know. I, I know. Clean, you mean, but, but it's just that it's it's if you watch. Um, uh, do you ever watch the uh, go to Red Letter Media to watch uh, uh, Harry Plinkett's movie reviews? Do you no, know what that is? No, you'd love it. It's this uh, website called Red Letter Media, and this guy um, does these really long YouTube movie reviews, like sort of forty minute episodes in two parts. And he did the entire Star Wars prequel, and he basically breaks down why they're completely flawed films. And it's done. The guy who's narrating it, it's a character, and he's this kind of like geriatric like a uh, guy with schizophrenia who you know is obsessed with like these mini pizzas and he kidnaps women and locks them in his basement so this is weird kind of like dark sub st- subplot but they're actually really interesting breakdowns and he did one about the crystal skull and he said here's the issue with why that film doesn't work a is that indiana jones is not a great character you don't like indiana jones you like what indiana jones does it's a it's a film about you want to experience what he's experiencing. You want to punch the bad guys and, you know, swing, swing on whip and all this kind of stuff. He said, it's like the fast and the furious. You don't go to that film wanting to see Paul Walker. You want to go to see what Paul Walker does, which is drive cars really fast. So you see an Indiana Jones film, you want to see him punching and, you know, swinging, swinging his whip and all that kind of stuff. In this new film, he's old and they're expecting that your love for him will, yep. you know, it, it make up for the fact that he's not we doing the action scenes. Yeah, we, we don't want to do what old people do. No! <laughs> You know I mean? Yeah. Otherwise, like the rides at Luna Park would be <laughs> driving really slow in the right-hand lane. And then they cut to interviews with like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, who were saying that, like, you know, that they're when they made the first Indiana Jones films, they were you know young, hungry, kind of like renegades. You know, they were Hollywood guys, but they were you know they were the kind of hotshots. Now they're the establishment, and they want to make kind of family films and have a family atmosphere on set. So that level of kind of danger and excitement that, you know, George Miller and Steven Spielberg had when they were young renegade filmmakers, it just plays into their work. And that is what I'm worried about with the new Mad Max film. It's even about the way it looks, though, isn't it? Because, like, if, well, that's if, other- if you film it too well, yeah. the, the world seems like a fantasy world rather than a... Yeah, well, that's like, the thing is the CGI. A desolate, you know, and, like, that's the thing about, uh, like, sort of post-apocalyptic <laughs> films. The best ones, the ones that work best for me, are, like, are those kind of old-schooly ones because the look of them feels real. like it could, Yeah, you know... Yeah, you don't want... I mean, you can't have a glossy apocalyptic future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, that future sense. still looks better than my life like, now. It just... I mean, the, the thing about Thunderdome was just, like... Okay, so like materials are in a short supply in Barter Town, but you still have stylists. <laughs> like yeah. you still have designers. Like it's not like, thank God I have this shit I can wrap around myself. Well, I'm going to wrap it like so and give it like a little bit of a collar. Like, is that really consideration in this you know dy- dystopic vision of the future? Well, I guess that's that sort of thing, though, Charlie. You never know who's going to survive the apocalypse, and like, <laughs> you to look fabulous. I mean, the, the, but the point is that sometimes the people who survive the apocalypse are carpenters who have you know practical skills like being able to build thunderdomes. <laughs> And then you, some of your people are just stylists and they've still got to do something. How the fuck? Like, I always thought that, you know, if, if the world is going to come to an end, then yeah. it would be the alpha males and stuff who would survive. But obviously not. No, because it's like... the stylists. But more likely than anything, you're going to survive on a regional basis, not like based on, you know... Like, so unless you're at a convention... Like, like so Barter Town. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but the point being that it's going to be a region that survives. Say the bomb goes off over there yeah. and this region here is the bit that doesn't yeah. get done. Yeah. It's not going to be just full of alpha males. It's going to be a mix of 
librarians and well, bus drivers no, and no, blah, I, blah, blah. I think the way... I think the way the Mad Max universe works is that, like, it was a, an almost completely devastating nuclear war. Yeah. That's why it's just, like, scattered little villages of people. So yeah. it's not like uh, the people who are around are the ones who have survived, you know, that initial Yeah, but my of, point being that, like, geographically, like, yeah, I, I understand that the tougher people Well, do you just think, like, percentage-wise, whatever the percentage of the population is now, if we reduce that to just say, just say the population went from 6 billion to 600. 600. Yeah. Would have a, still have a cross section? Yeah, Might not, probably you'd be dominated by, by tougher Chinese. people. No, by the, no, by the Again, high, high, no, high population. No, just depending where the f- bombs went off. Like if the bomb went off in the middle of China, it's let's going to kill all the Chinese people. Let's say this disaster was like equal in equal parts. Like it was just like a, 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 a like a, a a bomb blast that echoed across the world, so okay. everyone was affected equally. So, so the six hundred survived may have had like say a genetic. Thing in yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's why, what I'm saying. Yeah, and yeah. that's what I'm saying about Mad Max is all the people who are there are just the toughest. They're yeah, the ones but they, but they might not be the toughest in that in that scenario. They may just be the ones who had that gene. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like okay. sometimes, yeah, the people who have the hay fever gene or the people who have the like Depen- diabetes. It depends. It could on be the, the thing that you well, know. It depends on the nature of the disaster. Yeah, exactly. If it's a nuclear bomb, I don't think anyone has the genes to survive. Like, well, who knows? Nuclear fallout. Have we tested that out? We tried in Hiroshima, didn't we? And yeah, but uh, like, I mean, Fukushima. I don't know. Maybe there was like six or seven people who, who walked that off. Did you hear about uh, uh, in Fukushima that uh, the this Veterans League have volunteered to go do all the repair work and stuff at Fukushima because yeah. they said young people shouldn't have to expect... Fuck, man, I hope one day I have some kind of nobility like that and some kind of selflessness. That's just amazing. Like, can you imagine... I mean, you're probably good. You're quite a selfless kind of guy, but... I, I definitely... I don't know I want to kill I actually, myself. I think about that a bit, like because I admire selflessness a lot, yeah. and I always think that it's weird that I have such an admiration for it. And I do think that there are plenty of situations where I think I would let people down. Yeah, mostly as an entertainer. But uh, no, I. But in I know that a situation would be if a selfless act needed to be done. I think that I would be a sort of person who would step forward and go, "Yeah, no, I can, I, I'll do this. I'll take this." Okay. But then when I think about that in a practical way. I don't believe in an afterlife. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in any of that sort of thing. Yeah. So where does that come from in me? Because literally, if I sacrifice myself, I'm dead. Okay. That's it. My life is over. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I'm going to be rewarded for that. I don't think I'm going to be... So what's in that for me? Why do I want to be selfless in that situation? I don't understand where that comes from. I think mine comes from guilt, definitely. Like, a lot of conditioning. I think I'm selfless because from an early age, I was told that, you know, you'd go to hell. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm People not. Learn. I know. That's what I mean. And that's what I don't But understand. I also think a lot of mine is uh, environmental as well. I think that much the way I was raised is my mother is very selfless, you know. I mean, that might be, it still might be a Catholic kind of thing. Maybe your parents are quite selfless. Yeah, I guess they are actually. Well, if you if think you, about yeah, that. I think, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think they are. Well, I think any parent is selfless by definition, really, if they're good, if they're any good. Yeah. Unless they have a, give birth to a giant grown man. <laughs> Right, well, I've got a hypothetical for you yeah. then. Okay, let's say you and I, uh, just say I am diagnosed with terminal cancer, right? Yeah. So I'm going to die in six months. You and I are going mountain climbing <laughs> and we're hanging off uh, the edge of a mountain and if we both stay on this rope, we're going to die. Uh-huh. But if one of us cuts and sacrifices ourselves, the other one can, other one can live. Yeah. Would you say, well, what would you say? What would I say in that situation? Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm going to die in six months anyway. Yeah. But, well, that's what the doctors have said. Yeah, right. So do you say, well... Charlie, come on. <laughs> Do I have to spell it out? Um, no, 
no, no, no, I still think in that situation I would like I would volunteer to do that because. A, you never know whether you are actually going to die in six months. Okay, B, but I'm definitely. B, I don't know if I'm going to die. I'm, I could die the next day in some other circumstance. I would. I. You don't want to deny me even six months. I don't think that I would. In that situation, I guess in some ways I'm being quite selfish because I would rather sacrifice myself than live with the knowledge that. But what if I, I sacrifice? What if I said it was cool? Yeah, no, cut the rope. I'm fine. We've had good times. <laughs> Oh, okay then. <laughs> I mean, it'd be good for the podcast. Yeah. In the short term, we get a big boost. So, uh, this is my faith with Christopher Nolan, right? Is when I saw all those Prometheus things, I, I, I felt like I'd seen, you know, what the movie was going to be. But I don't, I think Christopher Nolan has the confidence that people are going to come and see this movie. Like, you know, it's the third in the trilogy. They've already bought into the idea of it. So he knows he can keep some of the really big surprises and some of the really cool shit up his sleeve and he doesn't have to show people until they go to the movies so that when they go there and sit in the movie, they're still going to go, oh, fuck me, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I have I have faith that that is what is going to happen in this film. And Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think how, how we could fuck it up. Like, they've, if they only got better, the Batman films. Yeah. But then again, so did Mad Max. One one was good, two was better, and then... Imagine if bad. it is Dark Knight Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah, or uh, Spider-Man 3. Oh. Third one's hard to pull off a lot of the time. Yeah. Back to the Future... Well, I suppose Back to the Future 3 was better than Back to the Future 2. Yeah. There's no formula. Red Ten of the Jedi was bad after the, you know, peak of Empire. And, pl- and Police Academy didn't get good again <laughs> until 4, so... <laughs> I don't think he'll let you down. I think he, no. I think he's very good at delivering what he delivers. Yeah. And I think his reluctance to kind of just jump into a story, you know what I mean? Like he always seems to take his time. It's not like, you know, he gets rushed into sort of making another one. Like how many years between this and Dark Knight? Four. And there was five years between... No, how many years between... And they've, they've always had a real... Um... Four years between this and... When was Batman Begins? 2005? Not sure. So three years between those two and four between this. Um I mean, yeah. Warner Brothers would have just said to him, you can take as much time as you and want. And he's always wanted to... I think he's always had a real idea of what he wanted to do with the story and, and what he wanted to tell. So, no, I'm, I feel really like... I mean, you know, look, there is a possibility that it won't be as good as The Dark Knight because Not of the very fact are. that, A, that's just such an amazing film, but mm. B, the Joker is Batman's greatest nemesis. Mm. So... You know, you are never going to be able to put anyone on the screen that is just going to have that same... And I mean, with those performances and stuff as well. But yeah. but that character is such an integral character to, you know, the Batman story. Well, if that, he was smart, he wouldn't try and build it around Bane. Like, it wouldn't be No, he won't, though. I don't think it is going to be. I think yeah. Bane's a distraction like, yeah, in some I ways, I think. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm so excited. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, seeing we've talked about movies heaps on this one. Let's have a quick talk about some other movies. Um, I saw Battleship. Oh yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to say about yeah. um, uh, Chris Hemsworth. Don't you reckon that Chris Hemsworth's having the year that Taylor Kitsch, Taylor Kitsch's agent, <laughs> thought he was going to have? Well, it, it's like it's like Taylor Kitsch and Chris Hemsworth are in alternate universes where one of them's made all the bad choices, <laughs> yeah. and one of them's made a bunch of good choices. Because you're right, they're kind of getting the same sort of. Yeah, they're both. Good-looking, long-haired, former TV, former guys. TV, yeah, good-looking, yeah, guys who men, people men's like, men, yeah, and I've it's been really disappointing. I've seen a bunch of Taylor Kitsch's uh, yeah. films, 
because I am a massive fan of Friday Night Lights, as you know, like one of my absolute favourite TV shows of all time. And uh, Full moon, bright heart, can't stop. <laughs> what is it? Uh, clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. Oh, that's Takes it. us forever. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I went and saw um, Super 8 based on the fact that Coach Taylor was the lead yeah, in Super yeah. 8. And I went and saw... Um, oh, well, I, I, like, I went to see Wolverine because I thought that it might be good. Oh, but, uh, but he was in that, of course. Um, and uh, the, I, I saw John Carter. Oh, yeah. What was that like? Awful. Is it really? One of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. Who would have thought? I just, I mean, did that wasn't a good idea. Like, no one knew who John Carter was. It's terrible. Like, who wants to go to a, a hero from, like, it's so dated and, like, there's no old people who are going to go see that film, so who's it for? It was terrible. It was just such a, it was like, it, it didn't know what, if it wanted to be, um, like, an action film. It didn't know if it wanted to be Avatar. It didn't know what if it, I, I did, it was just so weird and all over the shop. Yeah. Um, so I saw that. I saw uh, Battleship yeah. that he was in as well. So I've been, you well, know. So, okay. I mean, I know a lot of people made jokes about Battleship. Yeah. But what is the nod they give? So you, you go, like, are they playing? Is there one scene where they're playing Battleship? Or does someone say, you sunk my Battleship? Or No one says, you sunk my Battleship. Yeah. Uh, but no, no, the, there's, there's quite a few nods okay. to the game. Like, for example... B4, take uh, D6 or something like that. There's a little bit of that because yeah. there's a bit of coordinates gear and yeah. things come up on grids and stuff when they're looking at that, that sort of thing. But the best thing is that the alien craft shoots these kind of bombs that look like the pegs that went into the Battleship. Board? No yeah. way! They literally look exactly the same. That's so, amazing. Are they yeah. like red and blue and red and white plastic? They're in the same shape and they kind of stick yeah, in and they yeah, blow poop. That's blocks. hilarious. So, yeah. that's so, so funny. And the final scene is um, uh, these guys like actually get out on a battleship again. Like these old guys come out and they have oh to fight it on God. a real battleship. <laughs> like you know. So I mean, it's such a. So it, it looks like Transformers Light, right? It's, it's yeah. It's definitely it's got that sort of feeling. So again, it's like one of those. I mean. It kind of it, with the events and, it was, it, and can you actually see Liam Liam Neeson counting his paycheck? There are I don't know if this is true, but here's what I'm guessing: because there are whole scenes of that film that you never see Liam Neeson in a shot with anybody else. I don't think that he was in that film. No. Like, I think that he shot... I can shot, tell that from the trailer. I think he shot the majority of that film. Like, I think they... In his... <laughs> like, I think they rang him up and they said, Liam... Um, He's fine. Liam, dollars. have you got... Um, Liam, I know that you've got another hunt down someone because they wronged your family movie coming up in six weeks, but we've got a little window here uh, and we've got, like, $5 million. And he's like, no, 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 no. Uh, he's like, uh, we've got $15 million. And he's like, okay, what's the movie? And he's like, it's Battleship. What, the board game? He's like, yeah. He goes, right, I'm not going to be in it, but here's what you do. If you can come round to my house and you can turn my basement into a battleship, I will film all the scenes in my basement. Because that is literally what happens. I think that's definitely what happens. I bet you had like a one week blocked out in your schedule and they just put him on a soundstage and just filmed him. Because I get the feeling from the child that he dies, right? Because isn't he someone's dad? He doesn't die. No. No. He's um no he's the dad that Taylor Kitsch's character has to win over. Ah. So okay, for some reason Taylor Kitsch and Alexander Skarsgård are brothers. What? That's never explained. No. <laughs> never explained why one of them <laughs> is clearly neither of them look the same, or one of them's from another country, but they're brothers. Wow. Right. 
And so Taylor Kitsch is kind of the, the dropout guy, the guy who never plays by the rules. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, yeah, good looking rebel who plays by his own rules. Yeah, exactly. And so he meets this girl at the start and he breaks into a 7 Eleven to get her a burrito because she wants a burrito in the 7 Eleven and gets arrested trying to get her a burrito. But so romantic, man. Yeah, totally. She's the daughter. I'm of, sorry I had to break in and get that burrito. And she's that, she's that tennis player's girlfriend, uh, Brooklyn Decker. Is oh, that her name? God, yeah. Do you know her? Yeah, yeah okay. So terrible. she's terrible, terrible, terrible. So. Um, so anyway, he ends up getting sent to the Navy for some plot device that I can't quite remember. And so he's in the Navy now. So his brother's in the Navy. Oh, his brother takes him to the Navy because he was going to go to jail or whatever, right? right. So Skarsgård's like, you know, going up in the Navy and, you know. Hang like, on. Arrested for stealing a burrito ends up in the Navy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's not the biggest that- plot. That's not the biggest <laughs> plot hole. That is actually quite a, that's a really minor one that you can sweep over. Okay. In this battleship movie, okay, but um, so basically, you know, he's he, he's a real hot shot, but he never plays by the rules, so he's not getting his promotion, and now he's dating the you know Liam Neeson's daughter, like, and Liam Neeson's like head of the navy or whatever. So that's the like he wants to ask her to marry him, but he's scared of the dad who hates him because he's a you know he's always late to things and he's like blah blah blah, yeah. right? So then anyway, there's like a hadron collider looking for the Higgs boson, you know that yeah. sort of thing. Bang. Send a message into space. Aliens come and you blow know, shit up. Want to blow shit up, right? Yeah. And they lock off this area where they're sending this thing, where they're doing um, navy war games. Like navy war games <clears> happen <throat> to be happening. They come down. The aliens come down. So now everyone's in this. Yeah, right. They're out on battleships. Yeah. Bad this, timing by the aliens. I know. In this zone. Like you reckon, if you had the superior technology and surveillance, they'd say, <laughs> "Let's not land our ships where yeah. their armaments seem to be." Yeah. Do we still have to suck the secrets out of their cocks? <laughs> Is that Oh, you said any day but the day they were doing the battleship thing. <laughs> Sorry. I, imagine that. I got around saying, the other way. There's an alien in his <laughs> head office trying to explain I went wrong. I'm really sorry. I mean, I know that was probably less than 5% of the planet that I landed us on. When you crossed out those bits, I thought you meant that's where you wanted to go. <laughs> to go. No, yeah, yeah. I'm that really was like, that is, this is so awkward. <laughs> um, so uh, so but they're in this battleship area. All the modern ships start getting you know blown up turns out the only person can save the day is Taylor Kitsch Why? on the old battleship well basically well, just he's just the last guy left. he's one of the last guys left and let me guess there's is is uh, Liam Neeson on another ship is saying listen kid you got no business being here and it's yeah. like but sir if I can shoot I can fight and something like yeah, that there's, there's, something, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's heaps of that stuff okay. there's literally I can't even remember what it is now because I've seen oh, it was a couple of months ago when I saw it but there was one how's bit, Liam Neeson's accent is he, is he even trying this time Oh, he's not even. I am an American. He's not even trying to do his own accent. <laughs> like literally, he's just like he's just not trying at all. He didn't even. He, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a Liam Neeson hologram two pack <laughs> style where they just cut up other performances from other movies and just made it. Taylor Kitsch is like, what do you mean I'm going to be taken? <laughs> um, so he, there is one. To, I, I wish I could remember this line, but there's literally a thing in the cinema where he says the first half of the line and the second half of the line comes out of your mouth before it comes out of his mouth because it's such <laughs> so a cliche. Oh, there's a line like that in Snow White, which I had to write down. She's giving the big, you know, to rally the troops at the end and she is talking about how the Queen's taking over the land and she's like, and she's like I'd, rather, I'd rather die today than live another day in this death. <laughs> <laughs> like that goes up with... Mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. On my all-time worst lines in cinema. My God, I was watching yeah, that Return the other night, and like that scene came on, and I was like, "Oh my God, that doesn't is make any so sense. ridiculous." <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. The whole exchange is so stilted and weird. So, um, yeah, so he wins the day, wins the girl, and that's you know battleship. So, but he 
he's been in that movie, which was like a massive movie that was a disaster. John Carter was going to be one of the lost. Well, if it wasn't the Avengers, yeah, it's 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 literally going to be one of the like. He he must have one of the worst track records in Hollywood of all time. If you look at the movies, what you know, the way, what they cost the way, the way his the way, career started, yeah, you mean? yeah, terrible. Yeah, well, no, Wolverine made money though. It was a bad film. But yeah, it but that money. wasn't and his Battleship film. Battleship will still make money. Do you reckon? Battleship? I don't know. I don't has it, has it been a flop? It was terrible. Yeah, it, 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 no, it, it was it's a, a flop. kind of film because it came though. out. It got caught in all those big action good movies. But, but that's the kind of film that would play big overseas because you don't. It's not. Don't need to speak English. Or care about plot. <laughs> you know what? It did look like a movie that was written for people who didn't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> people who didn't speak English might not realise that Alexander Skarsgård and Taylor Kitsch could never be brothers and their voices don't sound the same. Oh, all white guys look the same. No, it's fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> you racist fucks. <laughs> well, that bit, you know that, because that cost Disney heaps, like $400 million, the loss on yeah. John Carter. So the Avengers has come out and sort of wiped that debt plus some. So I think if you were Liam's... If Does you were, that mean that Joss Whedon could just essentially get Taylor Kitsch to do whatever he wants? Like, would that Disney have lent Joss Whedon Taylor Kitsch for a while? Just to say, <laughs> thank you for saving our ass. Uh, you now own Taylor <laughs> yeah. for a year. He, can, he will just be your man's life. <laughs> Taylor comes into the office like, Taylor, look, uh, we know we gave you a back-ended contract yep. and we'll give you some gross receipts. The film, unfortunately, didn't do that well. Yep. Um, so we're actually indebted uh, yeah. to the company. So Which means you are, you. <laughs> you're, uh, well, because you were getting 3% of the profits, but you also, you didn't look at the contract, 3% of the debt. So you now owe Josh Weed. <laughs> you have to go into his office and get the secrets out of his dick. Yeah. <laughs> we need to find out why he's such a good filmmaker. Well, yeah, we believe that he has the plot of Avengers 2 <laughs> in the end of his penis. <laughs> and the only way to get it out. Are we good? Are we done? Yeah, I think we're done. Um, so uh, hopefully by now you've uh, got yourselves familiar with a new website. Um, if you haven't, we've got a new website. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they should know that by now because they would have probably had to come here to download the episode. Why? Maybe oh, it's on iTunes. iTunes. Right. Okay. We've got a new website. We have a new website. Come and look at it. Yeah. It has a picture on it um, of uh, uh, the... Oh, yeah, we should thank we should... James Fosdyke. Yeah. Uh, he's done this amazing mural. We sort of have been teasing it a bit on Facebook. If you yeah. haven't seen it, he uh, did this amazing uh, Last Supper post for us, which is actually for sale, Will. Yes, that's true. We have a ship for sale. That's right. If you've ever wanted to support this podcast, and people over the years have very kindly said, you know... <clears throat> if how- you give us something, we will buy it. Yeah. So, we've come up with something. <laughs> Fucking buy it. <laughs> <laughs> because we just spent a lot of money on a website so that we can sell it. <laughs> Taylor Kitsch did my deal. <laughs> World's worst agent. And... Um, yeah, so basically we put we put together the website. What we'd essentially love, we, I mean, obviously we're not looking to make any money out of this, but we'd love, you know, to be able to you know, Keep doing get it. some new equipment and, you know, kind of do it properly. <laughs> get a fucking stand and a, some, yeah. some pop masks and, and some stands. So at this stage we have like um, two bits of merch which you can find on the website, um, which is the poster, which is unreal. Like yeah. it's... It's so cool. Like, I mean, James has done an amazing job with it. And there's, like, obviously a bunch of characters who have appeared on the show, but also there's a few in-jokes in there. Well, quite a lot of in-jokes in yeah. there as well. So Yeah. It's, you know what it is? When I was a kid, did you ever read those uh, picture books called What a Mess? It was a children's no. story. It was this, like, it was a picture book, and What a Mess was this dog who was always, you know, in, in a mess. Yeah. <laughs> but they always would have these, like, concurrent storylines running in the corners of the page. So they'd have the main action, which is, like, What a Mess being told off or something. But there'd be all these little stories going on and there's all these little in-jokes. So when you read the book, you'd have to sort of like scan the story, the pictures, all the pictures to see where all the, the jokes were. And that's kind oh. of what 
I sort of, when I spoke to James about it, I was like, I want people to be able to kind of, you know, go through and go, ah. Oh. But he bettered even my expectations because there was shit there that I didn't remember. <laughs> like, I'm looking and going, what is that? The My Family stickers on the TARDIS, what is that? And someone had to say, <laughs> oh you fuckheads talked about that. There's my family months. stickers Did on the TARDIS? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, James, well done. That's right. Bravo. That is unreal. And it, um, we're going to try to put some um, other stuff on the website. You've written a blog and... Um, uh, uh, you know, we're going to try to put some... Video uh, content. We've yeah. started uh, Tofot TV on YouTube. Tofot? Tofot? Did you have for a TV? Tofot. Tofot TV. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Tofot TV? Like, like the name of this podcast is not confusing enough to people already. Let's, let's really let's mangle it. the Tofot YouTube yep. channel. So, um, yeah, there's going to be some more stuff coming up on that imminently. Um, you can still see uh, get to us on Facebook and Twitter as well. And are you... I'm in Perth this weekend. <laughs> Uh, we, we just did that three times because my peas popped, apparently. <laughs> I'm in Perth this weekend uh, with uh, Justin Hamilton. Uh, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think the early shows are all sold out, but we added a late show on Friday and Saturday. So if you if you want to come down, it's my show, Will Arias, that I've been touring around the world. So, um, yeah, it, it's fun. And, and Justin's on as well. So it's going to be a really cool weekend. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs> 